I go to the site, I register, I log in, I see my profile, I update my profile and make sure that my account is accurate. And I print out my statements and I log out. Well, each one of those steps is something that you have to verify that actually works. In e-commerce and digital, when it's customer facing, it's more than just testing it, that it works. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. While you might feel how critical the testing could be in a software project, well, that's the foundation of success, whether the software will work or be usable in production. Also, there are differences in how e-commerce implementation projects need to be tested versus the e-commerce development. In the case of the implementation projects, you might not have the users that may have a deep software development background and might not understand the importance of testing or how to write good test cases to have enough coverage for all the business scenarios that they plan to execute when they go live. Also, with the implementation projects, the major component is also users training as testing is the first step to learn deeply about the software and have a deeper understanding of their own journeys. So how to create a good testing framework and test cases to be successful with e-commerce implementation projects. In today's episode, we invited a panel of cross-functional experts for a live interview on LinkedIn who brings significant expertise to discuss how to create good test cases for e-commerce implementation projects. We discussed the difference between the testing strategies for e-commerce implementation projects versus web or software development projects, including differences in the skill set, resources, budgets, etc. Finally, we covered the strategies for coaching and training business users in how to think and write test cases like a professional software tester. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you are joining for the first time, this is part of our e-commerce series for which we meet every Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. And we pick one topic related to e-commerce. And we always have a very exciting panel that is willing to share their insights and wisdom with you. For today, we are going to pick the topic called testing, which is probably extremely boring for business users, but it's going to be the foundation for your e-commerce projects success. So we are going to have a lot of fun, you know, discussing all of that. We are going to start with everybody's intro. I'm going to start with my intro first. Uh, if you don't know who I am, I am Sam Gupta. I'm your host. I am principal at Elevate IQ. I have a page. 20 years of experience in leading large uh, ERP and digital uh, transformation uh, engagements focusing primarily on e-commerce. Um, so obviously this topic is near and dear to my heart. As Elevated, we focus on three uh, ERP phase where we are going to be helping with business case development. It's going to be independent ERP selection, uh, business process re-engineering, and uh, uh, system integration ERP implementation. On that note, I'm actually going to move to Chris for her intro. Yeah, thank you, Sam. It's great to be on the panel with all of you uh, fine-looking gentlemen here today. I am uh, Chris Harrington, the president of Gen Alpha Technologies, and really we equip uh, original equipment manufacturers, specialty vehicle, and aftermarket organizations with the digital tools that need, they need to be successful online, really driving a customer experience for the life of the equipment. So happy to be here. Looking forward to talk about testing. Okay, amazing. And we are going to have so much fun, Chris. Thank you so much for being here. Eric, I am actually going to move to you next for your intro. 
Hi, Sam. Uh, my name is Eric Landman. I'm a project manager and e-commerce developer with Earthling Interactive. Uh, we're an agency that builds e-com shops and web apps for a variety of clients. I've worked in over 50 e-commerce sites on quite a variety of platforms. Um, I, I personally am a general certified solution specialist and a Shopify partner. So I think this will be an interesting discussion. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Eric. Uh, Robert, I'm actually going to move to you next for your introduction, if you don't mind. Sure. My name is Robert Brown. I am principal of RGB uh, e-commerce consultancy. Um, we specialize in B2C e-commerce and digital strategy and execution. Um, I've been doing this for 20 plus years and love to help organizations uh, with their transformations. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Robert. Uh, Michael, can I move to you next for your intro? Sure. I'm Michael uh, Marx. I'm principal of Commerce is Digital, where I'm providing a commerce uh, training and consulting and helping organizations to upskill their team, teams in e-commerce as well as uh, define their roadmap. And before that, for many, many years, I was leading uh, product development uh, efforts and number of e-commerce platform companies like SAP Commerce Cloud, um, like fast and recently Spryker. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, uh, Michael. And now I am going to start uh, with our panel discussion. Uh, before we start, I am going to request all the panelists to keep yourself in, on mute uh, because we are still catching the background noise uh, and that is probably going to be recorded as part of the episode. So I'll really appreciate it if you guys uh, can mute yourself. For the audience, if you are there, if you have any specific questions uh, related to today's topic, make sure you comment and ask questions. We will try our best to cover during the episode. If we are not able to cover, we will get back to you with your inquiry. So this is your, this is your chance to ask all of the questions that you might have. So now I am going to start with the first question with Chris. So Chris, when we look at the differences, and you know this is the comment that I get from all of my customers when we discuss any of the implementation project, and you know what that comment is that you know what. I am buying a piece of software. I expect this software to work magically. Why do I need to test, especially for the e-commerce implementation projects? Obviously, the testing is going to be super critical for the actual development project, but they are going to be equally critical for the implementation projects as well. So what I have, am hoping to get from you is going to be really differences into the implementation project and the development project uh, in terms of the skill set, what are going to be the differences and what are going to be the unique challenges in these two situations when you compare them? Yeah, well, it's a great question, Sam. And I guess overall, obviously, we all need to test because we want to make sure the solution we invested all of our time and money in is working, right? It's working according to its expectations. Now, I will say that the difference between, you know, a, a sophomore, software that you're using internally versus an external software like e-commerce is really that, right? Your external customers, whether that be your customers, your dealers, your sales force, your agents, your international partners, whoever it is that this uh, solution is open for, they are the ones that are going to be utilizing it. So, the testers need to be able to understand the business processes that need to be tested by these users to make sure that they're uh, checking the performance of, of the site. So the, the biggest difference, you know, is that this is it's testing the business processes that are customer facing. So that's just the simplified way to say it. And uh, the best way that I can think about the types of different people that should be testing are all of those uh, areas in the organization that have some customer facing responsibility. So again, in uh, original equipment manufacturing where we where our space is predominant, you know, we have test users like customer support reps. Um, we have sales reps who are out with customers testing. We have technical, the technical support group. Typically, those are the people who are help, I, who typically get called to help and identify the right component or part that goes into a specific machine. If they are using the website to now do that, they might want to be testing search functionality. They're going to be testing uh, your browse functionality, your categorization and your attributes, is it working the way that, that you had 
thought about as you set up that design. So all of these different roles may be testing different functionality in the site that is leading to a business uh, expectation or outcome in the form of a business process. Does that make sense, Sam? Yeah, it does. Thank you so much for all of those insights. And I completely agree with you that, you know, the business process, the application of those um, application of the product is going to be a very different business process than developing those business process inside the product. In my experience, some of the differences that I have personally seen is going to be the amount of budget that you have available uh, in case of product development versus the implementation project. In general, the budget is going to be far lower for the implementation project because the businesses are going to expect that, you know what, I am already paying for the licenses. You know, why do we need to hire these business analysts? Why do we need to hire these testers? Typically, the onus is going to be on the business users to be able to test this who may not have any sort of either software development or the software implementation background. And that is, uh, in my experience, a, a big barrier overall in these two approaches. Would you agree with that? What are your thoughts there, Chris? Yeah, I I absolutely agree with that. I mean, you know, if you're developing an e-commerce site all on your own, obviously that's a very different testing and a different budgeting potentially for that. But if you're working with a, a, a site developer who's already developed a platform, they have a lot of testing already built into their solution. They have a connectivity test. They have uh, redundancy tests, they have security tests, they have all the testing on the back end before it gets to you. You as the, the customer of that e-commerce solution who are who have built your URL where your customers are going to come, you're just uh, responsible for, for testing those business processes. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Chris, for that. So Eric, I'm actually going to come to you. In your experience, uh, obviously you are doing a lot of e-commerce implementation projects as well. And when you have to deal with the business users who really don't understand, um, you know, why testing is going to be important. So in your experience, when you are obviously dealing with your business analyst or the quality analyst who might have slightly deeper background in that, obviously your life is going to be far easier. So in your experience, what are the differences that you have seen when you are dealing in the implementation project versus the product development project? Well, about half of our projects are consumer facing uh, the other half would be b2b sort okay. of sites in both situations there's some degree of customization sometimes a lot of customization and even custom programming that is involved and usually these sites are quite complex they might have 30 40 50 extensions that may interact in various ways and it's it's not yes it's off the shelf components that we're using but they may interact in unpredictable and sometimes not very friendly ways. Uh, a small anecdote is the last couple months, we've been working with big commerce to troubleshoot a middleware solution, which wasn't accepting certain types of product configurations. Uh, other ones would work, work fine. And they weren't being pushed through back to the point of sale system. And this is off the sh shelf stuff. It should have worked. These are mature, mature pieces of software, but there was some sort of interaction that happened and you would think that the business owner, which was actually a small shop that sells swimming gear, swimsuits, and not a big company by any means, they're going, this isn't working. This is killing us. Our inventory isn't updating. We're really having a problem here. So you would think that something like this, big commerce, you know, a big, a big name involved, you'd think all this stuff would work together. These things have been on market for a while. But uh, no, in this case, they didn't. So you have to start with a user persona work through all of the ways they may use the site, including things like the user groups and pricing and, and tiered pricing and maybe corporate accounts. You have to set up test accounts for all of this stuff because these various pieces of software, these extensions that add functionality are, are very complex and they get updated and sometimes people make mistakes and sometimes they break. So that's why we have to test these things. Yeah, so very interesting story there. In some cases, you are going to expect that, you know, you are buying a product and you are going to, your expectation is going to be that, you know, it's probably going to work for all of your scenarios, especially some of the ones that you might feel that might be common sense. But unless you test a yeah. software, it's very, very hard to guarantee whether that is right. going to work for your use case or not. So typically mm -hmm. in your experience, Eric, when you deal with these situations, uh, is your preference more 
towards testing yourself or do you hand over this responsibility to the business user because they are the ones who need to be trained on the software your role is more of the educator so the training component is there as well in case of testing so yeah. do you typically test all by yourself or your team or do you typically hand over that responsibility to the business user so they have far deeper understanding of why they are testing and then they get trained uh you know in the process as well our role is as developers but also consultative partners yeah so we take it upon ourselves to learn our customers business models and build and build tests with them and walk through these tests uh, so we can appropriately test a system but if we just build something and we don't know for example that our customers got regional sales managers that need to approve their invoices and and we don't test that the, I mean, the whole site could not work. So we need to know that as developers and develop the tests with them. And and we do that. Um, it's been a very successful model. Um, we can't just throw it at them because for one reason, another reason, uh, many people are busy. They're they're just not going to have, you know, we, we deal with a marketing manager, for example, to build a site, but they're not just going to kick the site over to the sales manager and some regional salespeople to test the site. That That's just, I mean, nobody has time. They're not professionals in this. They don't know what to look for necessarily. It gets very disjointed. So that's not efficient. So that's why we're involved in the process. Okay, very interesting. Thank you so much, Eric, for that. So Robert, I'm actually going to come to you and I am going to have the follow-up question for you. So obviously, when you are doing these requirements with the business users, they are always going to have the implied expectations that they will not be able to narrate when they are writing these user stories. And that you are going to be discovering when they are going to be testing it themselves. If you are going to be testing for them, obviously, you will not know those needs and when it is going to go live obviously then you will come to know that okay this was not working i was expecting it to work this way now it is not working what do i do so now when you compare the implementation versus the product development project have you seen any differences in the implementation scenarios versus the product development oh absolutely so there's different stages of testing yeah um so there's there's going to be the unit testing, the developers who are doing custom code, they're going to go down there and they're, they're going to test the, the little pieces of functionality and code snippets to make sure that they work. Then there's going to be, you know, the integrated testing where they marry all those together and it's supposed to be a piece of functionality that's supposed to work. Yep. And then there's going to be QA and that's handed off to still in the development house. They go back and they took a look at the requirements and they, they do all the testing based on what they understand. When they've completed that and they're satisfied that they've addressed all of the defects that may be there, because if you're doing development, there's going to be defects. They then hand that off to the users. And that's where UAT comes into place. And that's where the users actually say, hey, I'm going to pretend like I'm a user of, of this implementation and I'm going to use it like I think my users do. The project manager's job is to completely disregard what QA has done. That's the development piece. Now you're going to write these scripts from scratch, from the user perspective, and you're going to say, hey, I'm going to test this as a user and make sure that it works. And the project manager is going to help. This, this project manager should be with the client. It shouldn't be the development house. It should be within the client. So the project, because it takes time to develop these testing scenarios. You can use automated testing scenarios. You can use simple Excel spreadsheets, but it's still going to have to be based on a user story broken down into an individual piece of functionality so a user story may be something as complex as i go to the site i register i log in i see my profile i update my profile and make sure that my account is accurate and i print out my statements and i log out well each one of those steps is something that you have to verify that actually works in e-commerce and digital when it's customer facing it's more than just testing it that it works. It's also that it tests and works on each individual type of device. Because remember, as consumers, we may be desktop, we may be tablet, we may be iPhone, we may be Android. We're going to use these different devices throughout our day, and we may expect to access this tool anytime during the day on any type of screen. So you have to do multi-screen testing, multi-browser testing to make sure that it works. And that falls on the users. Be, why? If a customer calls you and says, 
the site's not working. What do I do? If you haven't tested it, if you haven't learned how it's supposed to work from a user perspective, how are you going to help your customer actually walk through that? If you know it and understand it, you could understand, oh, maybe they're not allowing cookies in. If you allow, you know, if, if you don't allow cookies, then, then a piece of the site's not going to work. That's where that, that, that important piece comes in. So there's two types of testing that the users will do. There'll be structured testing where they lay out all their test cases from the user stories. And it's, it's very sequential throughout the entire path. It's very good that there's front facing customer functions and then there's back facing or internal facing. So if, if the customer logs in and to their profile, see something that they like and they want to purchase it, they get the confirmation that this has in fact been purchased and then they get the, you know, it's going to be scheduled for delivery. But you also want to make sure that all that information from a user's perspective goes back to the different departments that are actually supposed to get that information and act on it. That's ensuring that all the integrations happen properly, but that still relies on the user teams actually completing those entire transactions on the various screens that the customers will utilize. So that's the very structured testing. The unstructured is, I'm just going to go bounce around and hack around and see what I can try to break and see, see what kind of trouble I can get into. That's where some of the interesting stuff happens. That's where some of the edge cases or the unexpected things happen that may point to forgotten scenarios like, oh, I didn't think to mention that we had regional supervisors that had to sign off on this. So if the users do the structured and unstructured on multiple screens, on multiple browsers, that takes a lot of time. It takes an experienced uh, digital or e-commerce project manager to help step you through that process. You should cover about 99% of any of the issues that you may run into that, that way your dev team can fix them. Yeah, so I completely agree that, you know, the steps uh, to your testing, the way you mentioned that there's going to be unit testing, then integration testing, then maybe system testing, then finally user acceptance testing, right? But your fundamentals, I mean, when you are going to be unit testing, you are going to be relying on those user stories that you have all of your requirements captured there. Your users really know what they really need from them. And if they don't really know what they need from the system, obviously your unit tests are not going to be of quality. And then obviously you are not going to be testing the scenario which your users were expecting. In the B2C scenario, typically the workflows are going to be slightly simpler. They are designed to be simple because you are targeting the users that are not going to be as sophisticated with their technical skills. In case of B2B market, when you are dealing with, let's say the internal customer reps, they have far more complicated workflows because they need to answer customers' inquiries and it could be fetching some very complex reports. So that requires far deeper testing. And if your customer reps are not really testing and trained, sometimes they might miss the requirement because they are the ones who are actually producing user stories. And then in the implementation project, you are not probably going to have as much experience either of the consultant because they are just not as experience with the software projects. Let me yeah. give you a story that, that would relate directly to this. So I was working for a major hotel chain, Yeah. Uh, the director of distribution. So in the, the hotel chains, you have all these independent hotels that are flagged as the hotel around the country. Yeah. And so there's a commission, there's a, there's a, a fee that occurs between that hotel and the, and the major brand, or if the customer purchases on the major brand website, then they have to send those funds to the customer. So that exchange at the time when I did this happened every week, it happened Sunday night. So Monday morning, the franchisee could come in and they could see, you know, yes, I've got these funds in my account so I can pay my bills. And it was a very manual process. So the head of the department, called in the IT group and said, you know what, I want to try to automate this because we've got a lot of mistakes and there's a lot of you know touch points in here. Can we automate this? So we took the requirements from the head of the department. He did not want us talking to the field workers. He did not want us talking to the oh, reps wow. that actually took the phone calls. So fine. So we wrote the requirements. He signed off on them. We built exactly what he had told us. And he said, okay, I want you to go live on this day. Do you want to test it first? Nope, we're fine. Just go live. Yep. We went live. And what do you think happened? <laughs> it's going to be fun. <laughs> oh, so they were inundated with about 500 phone calls from franchisees that didn't get their money. Yep. 
And he was screaming mad. Come to find out that the phone reps actually had done adjustments manually all along that were never documented that he didn't know. They just magically made it work. And so we had to roll back the entire thing because he thought he knew when in fact he did not. Yeah. And this is the real story. This is the reality of most implementation projects, to be honest, unless you involve your users during the testing, they have to test to be able to know and you have to watch them best. And that is the only way to know what they are doing. Because they're not going to tell you everything. You know, they are just going to say, it's easy. You know, I don't have time. It's all easy. Just, just go figure it out. <laughs> and then you are going to have a lot of fun once you go live. Thank you so yep. much, Robert, for that. Michael, I'm actually going to come to you. I don't know if you are able to relate with the stories. Do you agree, disagree with anything that you have seen so far? What would be your perspective in differentiating the implementation versus the development project and their test strategies? I think uh, Robert and uh, Chris and Eric already uh, covered uh, a lot of good points. Definitely agree with Robert that using different devices and coverage is just uh, uh, very difficult to achieve. Uh, you will never find a developer, uh, at least in the last 10 years, who is using Internet Explorer. It's uh, uh, really will be, uh, will be offended if you ask them to use Windows and <laughs> Internet Explorer. Yeah, But uh, we all know that, especially uh, in some IT, uh, organizations in big organization, they maybe uh, IT dictates what browser to use. Yeah? So of course, usually when I'm running the product, I prefer that it's uh, still tested before. One thing that we were doing before, we were basically just assigning different browser to different member of development team and saying using that. So at least at least give some uh, initial coverage. Yeah? One thing that also, uh, I think, uh, Robert, uh, examples that you gave uh, was that uh, in many cases, um, businesses actually don't know the requirements. They don't know the existing processes, especially when they haven't had e-commerce before and then implementing it now. There's several uh, things happening. First of all, uh, they definitely have uh, some dirty data or dirty processes, I call them, where, as in Robert's example, they're fixing something manually. Or somebody put something in the system, it was uh, 15 years ago, nobody touched it then, nobody can explain what it is. But it works because, again, internal people are uh, trained uh, and so on. So one of the, kind of the best practices is, is actually try to involve users uh, from very, very beginning in even writing requirements and definitely in participating in development team. We usually work in uh, agile manner. So there's kind of every two weeks, uh, some demos happening. So users actually need to go and accept stories and all of that. It's not user acceptance testing on a kind of going live, but it gives these users into the process, into understanding what we're implementing and we're getting this feedback much earlier. And earlier you're getting this, the better doesn't mean that everything will be uh, caught, but uh, definitely uh, helpful. Um, the other thing is that it's a difference between staging system and production system. This is kind of where a lot of uh, things happening uh, is before staging data and production data and kind of full flow. Um, also, as e-commerce provider, you may not actually have access to all systems. Like uh, you actually are not going to have access to ERP if you are implementing an e-commerce system. But guess what? Orders go there. Yeah. And then uh, again, there may be a different uh, between data, different uh, conflicts between uh, different systems. Some orders may pass through, some orders may not pass through. So I think that uh, in user acceptance testing, it's very important to cover all systems involved into this from basically the storefronts, the e-commerce, some backends, as order management system, maybe warehouse management system, uh, ERP, content management system. And I'm not even talking about a bunch of marketing automation, exporting your products to Google or uh, Amazon and so on. So uh, user acceptance testing is really important to see this big picture and making sure that you're covering this with your test. Okay, some very important points there, Michael, and you are absolutely right that business users are not going to know everything and that's going to be a discovery process that you have to go through to be able to know what they might be implying or what they might not be able to narrate in terms of the requirements. The other comment that you made about the Agile, and I actually like the Agile methodology a lot. The biggest, problem or the interesting thing that I find with Agile is every company that you go to, 
the agile is probably going to look different because it's just so loose uh, in terms of the recommendations and the prescriptions. So here's my problem with the approach. Okay. So let's say if I'm going to an implementation, I, I went to a implementation. I went there and I am asking, okay, give me whatever you have done implementation. You are live right now. You must have documented something, right? You must have those documents. They said, no, we don't have documentation. We follow agile here. And I was like, okay, I get it. You follow agile, but you don't have any requirements. What are you talking about? So they said that, you know what? We simply create the user stories and the epic right on something like Trello or Jira. And that's it. That's what we have. So now if I want to come in the project after nine months, what am I doing here? I'm actually going in Jira and trying to figure out how to get the 30,000 foot view of the business. So I am not sure where... <laughs> Sometimes people feel that, you know, if they are following the agile, then they ha don't have to capture the requirement and they have to simply miss the requirement phase. In case of implementation as well, the requirement phase is going to be absolutely critical. So, Michael, what would be your recommendation in this particular case? Do companies that are following agile and they are directly moving to your Jira or Trello, is that a good idea or do they need to go through the requirement phase? I think uh, uh, what you described is a case when people have uh, extremely simplified view of agile. And uh, I was doing a, a really participating in agile movement um, for the last 15 years. Uh, and uh, at some point, um, I also was organizing conferences and presenting on them. And a title of uh, one of my con uh, uh, um, talk on the conference was a straight jacket of agile iteration. And basically, I was uh, president of agile association at the time. But I really was frustrated by exactly the things that you are saying that People are uh, just simplifying uh, Agile to the point uh, of um, not making sense. Yeah, Because there's a big difference in uh, projects that you're doing. Let's say uh, Sam and me, we started a startup. And we're sitting in one room. And we are building a software. We probably don't need even Jira. I think a whiteboard will, will be OK for us. Yeah? yeah. But we're talking about super complex project. And you can apply this. You can apply agile principles, but not deep, we need to apply different processes uh, uh, for this. There's uh, multiple um, agile processes for much more complex implementation, Yeah, uh, like uh, scale agile uh, or um, scale agile framework or uh, many other and you really need to agile just your toolkit for me and then i'm looking at the project how big is the project am i in full control of the project am i working with customer is it i am i developing a flight simulate uh, like flight control system or website i don't want to have agile on flight <laughs> system <laughs> i better use, use uh, waterfall with all testing as i can because i don't want to get on this flight <laughs> if it wasn't tested probably yeah so it's really very contextual and art is here is to apply right technique right level of requirement documentation right level of uh, uh testing depending on the what software you're doing what uh, environment you're doing for what organization you're doing. Yeah. so uh, agile does not mean you're not writing requirement that's absolutely uh, <laughs> not the case chris go ahead do you have a comment yeah, I think this is a really important topic. And I think um, some advice that I might give organizations is to make sure that your business users participate in the scope of work. Yep. So the work of writing those requirements, because that's typically in a good business process, they're going to take that scope of work. That's going to define the requirements, the use cases, and then you transfer that into the work that the developers are going to do. Um, and then you should be testing after the developers do the work, those test cases you define in the scope of work. So I think as an organization, if you can be a part of that and you can sign off on the scope of work before the development starts, then you can have iterative releases to test portions of that scope of work but at least that scope of work has been agreed. Um, that That's something that we have seen. And I really liked, I think uh, what Michael brought up about that was really important, but also the staging areas. We have, you know, with our product, we do integrate our QA environment to the test ERP environment. And oftentimes we have seen this before, the ERP test environment data is outdated. So production data in the ERP does not match test data. So when you're testing in QA, if it's really old and outdated data, things can uh, either pass or fail. 
just because of that outdated data. So I always encourage now a refresh of your ERP test data so that you've got the latest data when you're doing that, that QA testing just to advance uh, when your product moves into production. But good comments there. Eric, go, you have a comment? Yeah, a couple things. Um, Michael's point about staging and production data is very well taken. I, I want to point out though that there typically we build sites in open source platforms where it's really not that hard to set up a development site. But if you're using a SaaS platform like Shopify or BigCommerce or one of those, it's actually not all that easy to set up a development site that is related to the production site. It's quite a lot of extra work. So just because you think you've got this great platform that does all these cool things doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be easy to work with. Then switching gears to the user stories, when we approach this, we do uh, usually the first part of the project, or more typically as a separate project, is a strategy and evaluation where we define the users and the roles and the user stories. And we talk about testing and, and the types of data that are passed back and forth. And so that that is uh, very heavily developed with not only our direct client, but we have field personnel or system admins or sales reps or whoever we need to bring into the process to get a clear picture of the data as, as we need to. I want to add a couple of things. One, in the testing. So, you know, some of the things, many things that we've been talking about here um, are what we would consider just kind of normal. But this is for the uninitiated who, you know, this may be the first time that they're hearing it. So when you are actually doing testing, um, there's actually an entire process around logging the issues that you find. And so when you start that testing process, you actually have to sit down and agree what that logging process is, what the level of severity is, how you're going to report that. You don't want users to say everything is a showstopper and I can't move forward. I've had that. So you know, one day they logged 300 defects and every single one of them was a showstopper. And it's because they didn't clearly communicate to one of their team members what that criteria was. Is one of the, you know, one of the criteria could be, okay, this needs to be fixed, but it can be fixed after we go live. One of them is, it's pretty important, um, but it's not a showstopper. A showstopper means we literally cannot move forward in, in our testing process and we have to have that fixed now so we can complete our testing. That's that's one piece of it. The other piece of it is we're talking about writing these requirements. And I think it was a really great point that um, Michael brought up about the disconnect between true agile or true waterfall and what some organizations are implementing now in a very simplified version. Part of it, I think, is their limited experience with bigger projects. And part of it may be they are trying to save money. And, you know, one of the things that organizations need to be aware of is when you write these contracts and the delivery process is based on a successful delivery of the tool. If six months from now, the scenario pops up that it's broken and you didn't test for it because you didn't want to put the time or money or effort into building the test cases and actually testing it, it's not going to be on your delivery partner to go back and fix it. So it's actually an insurance policy for yourself to make sure that the delivery of the product that you get works satisfactorily so you're happy and your customers are happy and you have a great relationship with your development partner okay amazing uh thank you so much robert for that so now we are going to actually be discussing the next segment which is really critical and that was probably the core uh you know topic for today's conversation that is going to be really that art of writing the test case in my experience just because you know i grew up as the software guy for me the testing actually comes naturally i don't have to think about it but lately, when I am interacting with business users, I have come to realize that the teaching testing could be a terribly difficult task. I'll give you some examples, Chris, and I'm actually going to come to you for the question. So here's the example. I am working in a project, and they have created this giant list of test cases. And the test case says, hey, create five sales orders. There's nothing else in that. That's a test case. Create five sales orders. Okay, what is the acceptance criteria? The sales orders need to be created. Now, you are going to be asking question, okay, why are you creating these five sales orders? 
is there any variation between sales orders? Are you trying to test a specific condition that you are, and then have you thought about these boundary cases? So honestly speaking, I mean, when I talk to these people who might have, let's say, five years in the IT, but they really struggle to write the test cases, their comment is going to be, hey, can you provide a framework? Uh, I personally don't know if a framework exists. So now let's say if you were to coach Chris to anybody who's thinking from the testing perspective, especially if you are training these sales users or the marketing users who have never done any software development in their life, and now they need to think like a tester, how would you coach them? Well, one piece of advice that I would give any organization is to ask the vendor you're working with for some example test cases that they've used with other customers because the vendor that you're working with should be qualified to do this. So test scripts are really typically a part of any project implementation and the steps of every test need to be fully documented. So if you think about a user story, writing user stories is one thing. So uh, typically, as a user story is, as an A, I want to do B so that I can, okay, that's your test, that's your user story is typically doing something like that. So I'm an internal user, I want to be able to change my customer number so that I can see a customer pricing for the person I'm on the phone with. That could be the the user story. But that is not the test script, okay? The test script will be the steps for how does a logged in, or how does an internal user log in? So they have to log in and then they have to look at the upper right hand corner and see their account area. They have to click on the account area and see where they can change their customer number. They change the customer number. It has to have test data, which and it should be real data. So which customer account data do you want them to enter there so that they're changing that account number, right? So, and they're testing the validity of each of these steps. This is the process of writing a test script. Yes, I changed my uh, customer account number. That customer account number then came up. Now I'm going to search for a part number. Go to the search bar, search for a part number. Click on the part number. The part number gives you pricing. Validate that that pricing in your ERP system matches the account number you changed in your e-commerce site. So you, there are these steps in the validation. And then as you mentioned, Sam, there's an expected outcome. So the test has to write what that expected outcome is as well. And then there should be a pass fail for each step. Okay, so this is the writing of test scripts, I will tell you, it's extremely painful. As a development company, we have to do this, right? So we do this for our product, and then we do it for the customizations that Eric mentioned earlier. So when we're working with a, a customer who has a new customization that is outside of the, the standard implementation, we have to write the test script that are all of the steps that a user would do in order to get to an expected outcome and each of those steps has to be validated and then the pass fail it gets sent back to the development company so that they can see what things need to then uh, be repaired as bug fixes or what's not working and that's really the structured test so to go back to something robert said earlier these are all the structured test things that we can think of one thing I'll mention to, to everybody, and I, I know the, the people here will understand this, but for anybody listening, there's a, a very different understanding that an organization goes through from discovery when you're defining your e-commerce environment, what your scope is, what it's going to do, all of the different roles, all of the different personas, what a logged in user can do versus a non-logged in user, what they can see and do. All these things have to be tested. But when it gets into the actual user's hands, now you're in UAT, they're, they're going to start going through the test scripts. Now they're going to understand truly how the product is working and how it's functioning with their data. That's when the unstructured tests start to take place. Those are test scripts that 
uh, a developer sometimes doesn't even know how to help you write or hasn't written for you because these are scenarios that didn't even come out in the discovery session. They are things that those business users really know. Oh, this customer account, when they uh, choose this transport mode with this transport method, this fee has to be added. If we wouldn't know that necessarily that fee gets added, it should come over through the integration. That's something that that user needs to test. So that I'm just applying the structured versus unstructured in some of the things that we've seen. And that's where I say the business users, when they go through this very scripted testing, they begin to understand the product. And now they can try to break the product with all the additional things that they know how, how the business process should work for their customer. So, so Eric, how would you coach someone how to write the test cases? What are some of the best practices that you have seen in writing the test cases in thinking from the system perspective, the way it should be tested? Yeah, sure. What, what Chris said was fantastic. Uh, um, that was a very nice exposition. I would and do counsel them to get the users involved and to see how they function with the system. And then we will write a test case. And when we say write a test case, there are automated or semi-automated tools, I should say semi-automated tools that we use that can do things like assist with login so that always the same test user, user ID and password and email is used and the same product is purchased. And, and that can come back and bite you though, if you're not careful. So but then it requires human interaction. When this transaction is done, the test tool can't reach out to somebody's email and see if they got the email that they're supposed to get. And they can't it can't look at the email and see that it really had the correct products and the correct pricing and the correct lead time. So there is some element of checklists involved. So did 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 the transaction go through? Uh, log into the credit card gateway. Were the funds captured? Somebody has to physically do that. So when we write the script, it's not it's partly an automated thing, but it's also a checklist of do the this list of things at these particular times in the process and make certain that it happened. And if it didn't happen, that's when you throw a flag and say, here's where it died. Uh, something didn't happen. The credit card gateway didn't clear the transaction. Maybe there was an error thrown or something like that. So that's that's the point where that test fails uh, or maybe needs to be modified. Maybe they got the email and it wasn't the right email. Maybe it said the wrong thing. So that's, I was kind of rambling on there. Does that, that answer the question there? It does. Thank you yeah. so much, Alex. Okay, sure. So Robert, I'm actually gonna come to you. So if you wanna cover your comment right now, you can cover that or you can talk about how would you coach somebody how to write these test cases? Sure, so the, the way that I help them write the test cases is they have to put themselves in, in the shoe of the actual user. And you know, it's kind of like when you write, you have, when you're writing a paragraph, you actually, your best writing comes with how you talk. So you talk yourself through, okay, I need to log in, you write that down. I need to check my account balance, you write that down. So it, it's a very natural process. Then you actually step through that process to make sure that you haven't missed anything. One of the things that I wanna add in here is we've all been talking about the happy path of, of test cases, that we're all going towards the positive example. We also need to write the negative cases that we need to test. So what happens if I enter in a bad password? D does it acknowledge that I enter a bad password? What happens if I enter it three times? Does it lock me out of the system? What happens if I can't spell correctly? Does, you know, does it help me find what I'm looking for? So yes, you want to test to make sure that the product works the way that you want, but you also have to account for the fact that people can't spell and they have fat fingers on little keyboards. And so there's misspellings and typos that happen all the time. What does your system do when it encounters that? Okay, amazing. So the only comment I am going to have there is going to be, there might be a lot of people who might be powerful speakers, but when it comes to writing, it's extremely difficult. And the same thing goes for testing as well, okay? You might find it very easy just because you have a very deep software development background, but writing those scenarios, finding those boundary conditions, thinking more from the process perspective, unless you are an engineer, because engineers are really wired to think from the process, from the blocks perspective, they can do problem diagnoses, they can you know, take the step-by-step -step, uh, approach, the structured, thinking approach. Sometimes finance people can do that as well. But for others, they really struggle 
in that. I don't know if you're going to have any follow-up comments there, Robert, or... No, you're right. I've been talking from experience with people who are used to doing this. You know, for, Fortune 5,000 companies yep. maybe don't have that experience. They don't have an IT department. They don't have, you know, their users that we've been talking about typically have a full-time day job. And this may be the first time that they're ever doing this. And it's going to be in the company's best interest and for the employee morale and success of the project to get some outside expertise to help them through this process. So to get some analysts to help write these things, to get some project managers that are used to doing this to help guide them to writing these. Because if you just bring in a development firm and you're not provided that guidance, what you're going to get is not what you're hoping for. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Robert. So, uh, Michael, now you are going to be coaching. You can disagree or, uh, or agree with anything that has been said so far, or you can cover your advice about how you are going to coach somebody, how to really think from that perspective of a tester. Absolutely. Uh, I think uh, uh, everybody uh, really had a lot of suggestions, so I'm not trying uh, won't repeat them. Uh, they're all uh, very valid, and I recommend to everybody who are listening, uh, try them out and do it. But to add to this, I think that one thing that uh, uh, really separates good test case is that it's repeatable and reliable. And in order to do this, really all tests should be uh, independent. And you achieve it by uh, making sure that each test creates its own data and then cleans after itself. Then you can run this data, this test repeatedly. Uh, you can do them in any order. You can distribute them between uh, multiple uh, people uh, who are testing. Because it's quite possible that as one test may destroy data that needed to other tests or vice versa. And you having a lot of uh, uh, false positives, and uh, you're spending a lot of time on this. And I think that really, uh, these business users are tasked with this. They need to get some training. They need to get some advice from uh, people who, uh, who are really experienced, like people on this call and so on. And uh, just one more thing to add, that we're dealing with e-commerce here. And one thing we shouldn't forget is usability. Because uh, even smallest changes on your side can really affect your financial uh, results. So I think there should be usability testing. You should think about usability. Yeah. And yeah. you should do A-B testing uh, uh, to test how user uh, reacts. And yes, you can cover a lot with your own internal testing. But at the end, users are still going to find something different. And so also what we always recommend our customers, that is to select your pilot project. For example, right now I'm working with the customers. They are in seven, they have stores, online stores in several different countries and saying, okay, what the store has a minimum amount of functionality. We're doing replatforming. So the fastest we can go put online and doesn't really, it's not your the main revenue driver. Select it. Let's prepare uh, uh, for this, uh, uh, for functionality required for this store. Let's go live, but only live for this store. And then we can reverse back. Because you're always going to, especially if you're doing a completely new system, you're always going to find something in production as well. doesn't matter how good your test case is. It's just level of complexity businesses are dealing uh, with is uh, really huge. And so that's uh, basically would be my advice and approach testing. Okay, very interesting. So I'm going to have one follow-up question for you. So I completely agree with you that, you know, the test cases that you are going to write, uh, you know, they need to be repeatable, reliable, and be independent. Now, when you are testing these B2C applications, when you have to test, let's say, the compatibility across browsers, uh, the test case, the scope of the test case is probably going to be limited. But if you are working on a very complex e-commerce applications, for example, what Gen Alpha does, right? There are going to be millions of variables in every scenario. So how do you write the test case for those scenarios? Because you have to do the data set, uh, data setup, that are going to have a lot of prerequisite before the test case can be successful. Now, if the test case needs to be dependent, what would be your advice in sort of creating the framework to capture all of these data points and the prerequisite for the yeah. test cases? Because uh, uh, you're absolutely right. The other uh, um, characteristic of good, uh, good test uh, set is that it's fast. Yeah. It's easy to execute because, again, every, as people mentioned here, nobody has time. And uh, also time is money in many, many cases. So uh, usually I think uh, what, uh, um, 
will do. In my experience, come more from uh, running big uh, development organization when we have hundred developers, but then you're going online, complex applications, um, and you need to have different level of tests. You need to have full set of tests, and you also need to have some smaller set of tests that you're running. Doesn't matter what uh, when uh, you are um, doing the smallest change, even like nothing change, but you still do this uh, sanity check before you go live. Uh, you can automate as much as possible, but my main advice when uh, uh, automation is don't automate more tests that you can maintain. Because uh, especially with these, these scripting tools, people are really going, oh, I can record tests very quickly. The question is, uh, if this test is not reliable, if the test is going to break on different browser or, or different weather or whatever happened, uh, this, then you're actually adding more load on yourself. So automate well, automate the most important uh, passes, and uh, then uh, you basically invest your time smoothly, and then you can have this automation testing running every time. Then you can have selected testing, depending, let's say, you change order flow, and then you're only going to test this order flow during during this time. And at some point, you need to do full testing, depending on, on, on changes, uh, what you do. So there's uh, different things, and we haven't even talked about other very complex things like performance testing or uh, security testing, yeah? And uh, that's, uh, for e-commerce, it's a must. For security testing, I basically don't do it yourself. Uh, none of us have experience. Go to professional, pay the money, they do it for you, yeah? And then uh, you fix it. And then you also should ask this same security uh, company to run the security test every quarter because uh, your software doesn't stay uh, the same even you haven't changed the, uh, the thing. There's a lot of libraries, a lot of layers of software. Something changed, some of these log4j uh, uh, bugs that was recently discovered. It's, uh, some open source software found new bugs there, yeah? Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Michael. So the only thing we can take right now is going to be the super short closing advice. Chris, what would be your closing advice? After you've done all your testing, soft launch to a group of testers that are externally to your organization. It's a great way to just validate things are working before you open it up to everyone. Could not agree more. Thank you so much. Eric, what would be your closing advice? Uh, I would say when you're developing a site or updating the site, make sure that you involved as deeply as you can the people who are using the site so they, so they know they have all the detail with how things work and how sh things should work. And maybe they're doing things in the background that you didn't discover before. And that will uncover that. Amazing advice. Thank you so much, Eric. Uh, Robert, what would be your closing advice? For smaller organizations, I would suggest that you get outside help outside of the development agency to help coach and guide your team through this process. Um, that way you ensure that your team stays happy and you have a good relationship with your developer and you get what you need. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Robert, for that. Uh, Michael, what would be your closing advice? Don't do it on your own. Always uh, involve people uh, who actually have experience in doing the testing. They don't necessarily should do testing for you, but should be uh, your coach, your advisor, uh, your, your uh, support. Uh, it's a discipline. It requires not only skills and experience, but also special type of character. Like, for example, I am uh, uh, used to be a good developer, but I'm not a good tester. Yeah? So uh, you really need to get professionals. This is very serious. Uh, uh, software is extremely complex, doesn't matter how you're buying it, you're modifying it, it's just very complex world. Invest in testing. Okay, amazing guys, that's it for today. Uh, if you joined for the first time, this was part of our e-commerce series for which we meet each Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one topic related to e-commerce. We always have a very exciting panel for you. So make sure you are not going to miss next week's show. We are going to be here. On that note, I really want to thank everyone for their time and insights today. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Eric Landman, head over to earthlinginteractive.com. It's E-A-R-T-H-L-I-N-G-I-N-T-E-R-A-C-T-I. VE.com. If you want to learn more about Michael Vox, head over to commerceisdigital.com. It's C-O-M-M-E-R-C-E-I-S-D-I-G-I-T-A-L.com. If you want to learn more about Christina Harrington, 
head over to genalpha.com. It's G-E-N-A-L-P-H-A.com. If you want to learn more about Robert Brown, head over to optonline.com. It's O-P-T-O-N-L-I-N-E.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Jason Greenwood, who discusses the nuances of the click and collect process and why you need to have centralized inventory and distribution strategies to enable this experience. Also, the interview with Laurie McDonald, who discusses sales compensation best practices for organizations aiming to transition to e-commerce from the traditional sales model. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.